One of the most well-known and beloved hymns of the Christian faith is It Is Well With My Soul, written by Horatio Spafford in the wake of the unexpected deaths of all four of his daughters in a single shipwreck. Spafford composed the words to that great hymn as he fought to trust God in the midst of what could truly be described as unimaginable suffering. In her own way, Johnny Erickson Tata has faced unimaginable suffering as well. And similarly, her faith and perseverance in the midst of trials has been an inspiration and encouragement to Christians all around the world. In her new book, Songs of Suffering, Johnny reflects on 25 hymns that have been a ballast to her throughout her life, guiding listeners through their own painful seasons with heartfelt praises to God. Today, we're pleased to share Johnny's introduction to the book and her reflections on that wonderful hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Let's get started. Crossway presents Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls, written and read by Johnny Erickson Tata. Before you begin, have you ever wondered when Jesus sang? We can be sure he did in the synagogue during Shabbat or at religious festivals in Jerusalem. I can see him as a boy standing with his family in the temple court gazing up at the Levites who led everyone in song. Certainly he was taught to sing the Hallel during Jewish Passover. Every good Jewish boy sang those psalms. Singing must have come naturally to Jesus. Did he hum a psalm when he worked in his father's carpenter shop? Surely he knew scores of hymns written by Asaph, David's choir master. Walking with his disciples in a stiff sea breeze along the shores of Galilee, was Jesus the one who would be the first to strike up a tune? Did the others chime in? What about when his heart filled with so much joy that he just had to spread his arms wide and let loose with a song? There is only one place in the Bible where it is recorded that Jesus sang. The scene is not on a sunny hillside, not at a joy-filled wedding. It is not as Jesus crossed the sea in a boat with his friends, or as he took a solitary walk up a hill in the cool of early dawn. Rather, the scene for the song was in the upper room the night he was betrayed. Matthew 26, verse 30, describes the moment. It happened when Jesus gave his disciples the bread and wine. After that, quote, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Of all the times and places that God chose to have us remember his son's singing, it is when he was led to his death. This was the one horrible moment recorded for posterity when our Savior sang. Charles Spurgeon helps us consider the implications. He says, He was on the brink of that great depth of misery into which he was about to plunge, and yet he would have them sing a hymn. What does he teach us by it? Does he not say to each of us, his followers, I, your master, by my example, would instruct you to sing even when the last solemn hour is come. I am your singing master, in which my dying voice shall lead you. Notwithstanding all the griefs which overwhelm my heart, I will play the chief musician and be to you the sweet singer of Israel. It is no coincidence that a hymn echoed in Jesus' heart as he stared into the jaws of incomprehensible suffering. 
and God boldly asks us to do the same when our time of great affliction arrives. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2, 21 My Song and Suffering I have lived with quadriplegia for more than half a century and have wrestled with chronic pain for most of that time. I struggle with breathing problems and am in an ongoing battle against cancer. All this makes for a perfect storm for discouragement. Yet, when my hip and back are frozen in pain, or it's simply another weary day of plain paralysis, I strengthen myself with Jesus' example in the upper room. My suffering Savior has taught me to always choose a song, a song that fortifies my faith against discouragement and breathes hope into my heart. And so I daily take up my cross to the tune of a hymn. But not just any tune or lyrics. The song must possess enough spiritual muscle to barge into my soul and shake awake a hopeful response. It must be a hymn whose lyrics raise me onto a different plane spiritually. It must summon in me the emotional wherewithal to remember my station in life so that I can rise above my circumstances. A well-crafted song of suffering, filled with truths about life and God, has power to do that. It grinds biblical truth into our souls like a, a, a pestle grinding powder in a crucible. Singing songs of suffering is not an option for Christ's followers. It is not a mere invitation. When Christians in Colossae were struggling to survive under the reign of the madman Nero, Paul ordered them, quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the Ephesians were being persecuted and threatened with torture, Paul commanded them to encourage, quote, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Paul himself takes his own advice when, bloodied, bruised, and shackled in jail, he boisterously sings a hymn at midnight, proving that spiritual songs can provide powerful ammunition for embattled Christians because life is a war. I wake up every morning, feeling besieged by various afflictions. Nevertheless, I see myself in the choir of Levites who marched on to the battlefield in front of Jehoshaphat's troops, singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. In the morning, I tune my heart with a hymn, and at night, when pain keeps me awake, when I cannot reposition myself, and I don't want to bother my husband a third time. When my mind is so foggy, I can barely put two sentences together in prayer. I lean on scripture, but I also lean on stanzas of great hymns that I've memorized over the years. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial. Feeds me on the living bread. When my weary soul may falter, And my soul a thirst may be, Dashing from the rock before me,
below a spring of joy I see. Let the song dwell in you richly. Before you sing it, you must know it, and know it by heart. My husband often brags about me to friends, saying, Just hum a line from a 60s song, you know, something by the Beatles or the Beach Boys, anything, and believe me, Johnny will know it. <laughs> That's nothing to boast about, but Ken is fascinated that I know all these old songs by heart. Uh, growing up with older sisters who were glued to their transistor radios, my mind could not help but be saturated with songs by Elvis Presley or the Supremes. I unwittingly memorized scores of top 40 hits by simply sharing a bedroom with my siblings. There are far better anthems for our lives than frivolous songs that cater to the flesh, dull the spirit, or dig up tarnished memories and old regrets. There are courageous, celestial anthems to learn, hymns that carry us from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from grace to grace, brave songs that shore up our hearts for life's battles. It's why hymns should be memorized. You've heard it said that we are what we eat, but I say we are what we sing. Even now, I work hard to retrain my memory as I uproot all those old pop tunes with their lyrics as worthless as cotton candy, and in their place, I have hardwired my brain to default to valiant hymns. They now comprise the musical score for my life. Why give the precious real estate of my brain cells to things that weigh my spirit down rather than elevate it? Memorizing hymns gives a head start in grasping Christian doctrine, and their melodies enrich us more than we realize. Our minds are programmed to remember patterns in music better than we remember patterns in words alone. Neurologist Oliver Sacks noted that, uh, quote, every culture has songs and rhymes to help children learn the alphabet or numbers and other lists, even as adults. We are limited in our ability to memorize series or to hold them in mind unless we use musical patterns. And the most powerful of these devices are rhyme, meter, and song. God himself used music to help his people remember his words. As Israel was about to enter the promised land, God instructed Moses in Deuteronomy 31 to teach his people a song so that they would remember not only his promises, but also his dire warnings. The lesson is clear. Focus on singing words that God wants you to remember. Your Songs of Suffering You are most likely listening to this book because first, you're suffering. Whether physically or emotionally, it hurts bad and it's hard. Second, you need a song because the music is drained from your heart and you need bold celestial anthems to fill the void. Songs that'll help you go from strength to strength. And I want to be your song leader. The hymns in this volume are ones that I turn to when I need help in persevering through pain. I know most of them by memory. And when I sing them, even if ever so feebly, I sense the Spirit say, Johnny, this is rich stuff. Here's truth you can feed on. Here's solid doctrine you've almost forgotten in your pain. Here's inspiration to help you keep going. Well, this book will have fulfilled its purpose if you learn by heart the songs in each chapter. Also, you will learn a devotional lesson based on each hymn. 
I have gleaned these lessons from either a heart-stirring event that has moved me or from a personal experience, often from my childhood. I also write about a few of my pain pals. These are uh, precious, suffering saints for whom I pray daily, friends who pick up their cross every day to the tune of a hymn. I love all the songs I've chosen for this book. They are my companions in seasons of loneliness, and they are my comrades when I'm fighting discouragement. Their lyrics pour out consolation when my soul is so weary, and they drag me back to the fold when my heart goes astray. Best of all, these hymns and spiritual songs provide rousing words of worship that are fitting for the king of the universe. And take heart. Soon, you will sing a different song of suffering. You will gladly sing it on that day when God, quote, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Revelation 21, verse 4. John Piper describes this glorious song. He says, quote, We will sing about suffering through eternity, but not our suffering, Christ's suffering. We will remember that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, and our hearts will overflow with a song of praise to the Lamb who endured the ultimate pain to redeem us. <laughs> we will glorify our gallant Lord for choosing to sing on the night of his betrayal. We will lionize him for marching to his death with that same song reverberating in his heart. So join me in following in his steps. Turn up the wattage on the glory of your singing Savior, the man of sorrows who paved the way for you as he lifted a song before he lifted his cross. And oh, may we do the same. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. 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 Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If dark hours about me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford, 1876 It is well with my soul, for he is enough. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 when Paul spoke of being hard-pressed on every side, he wasn't speaking lightly. He wasn't saying, 
whew, things were a little tough for a while there. No, he was describing pain that was so oppressive that he despaired of life itself. How, in the same sentence, can Paul be pressed in like that yet not be crushed? Nancy Severns knows the answer. She has been bedridden for well over five years with pain from Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a debilitating disorder that affects her entire body, inside and out. Her ribs even slip out of place. When all feels torturous, Nancy slowly inhales and calmly acknowledges the pain. She then enters it, much like the three Hebrews entering Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, and there in the middle of hellish, white-hot agony, she finds the Son of God, and she feels his protective embrace. I do the same thing. When the fangs of pain sink into my hips and lower back, it is a signal for me to begin deep breathing. I then walk into the pain and hold it near me, even have a conversation with it. I don't fret and say, oh, this is killing me, or I can't stand this, or oh, no, not again. Words like that are fraught with anxiety, and we all know that fear only exacerbates the problem. Instead, like Nancy, I serenely acknowledge the pain and allow it to press me in on all sides, and then I take one more step of faith. I ask my Savior to not let it crush me, but to meet me in it, and he always does. This is a hard discipline learned over time. Brad Stolberg, an analyst and performance coach, explains, Pain can be a bit of a catch-22. Often, the more you try to wish it away, the worse it becomes. Pain is pain, and it's bad enough. Suffering, which features distress and misery layered on top, occurs only when you try to fight that pain. When you're in pain, be it physical or emotional, you need not make it worse by resisting it. It's better to accept the pain and commit to accomplishing your goals, and often that means carrying the pain with you. It takes discipline to carry pain with you while not letting it asphyxiate you. Horatio Spafford, the composer of It Is Well With My Soul, knew how to carry his pain well. A year after he lost his son to scarlet fever, the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 destroyed all his business holdings. Spafford then decided to take his family to England, sending his wife and four daughters ahead on the SS Ville du Havre. While crossing the ocean, the ship sank after colliding with another vessel. His four daughters perished. Spafford's wife survived and sent him a telegram. Saved alone. Shortly afterward, as he sailed to meet his grieving wife, he wrote, It is well with my soul, as his ship passed the very place where his daughters had died. How was it that a tidal wave of grief did not sweep Horatio Spafford over the rail and into the dark waters that swallowed his daughters? How was it that Nancy Severins lies in bed stiff with pain for years, yet finds peace. Even I look in the mirror and wonder, how is it I keep smiling after so many years of quadriplegia? 
you could experience a baker's dozen of serious issues layered one on top of another. Financial pressures, health pressures, relationship pressures, spiritual warfare pressures, the pressure of unthinkable grief or cruel pain. It will not crush you if you believe Christ is in it. All that matters is knowing Jesus is walking in the fiery furnace with you. The pain may feel white-hot, but be encouraged. His, quote, peace like a river is able to quench every anxiety and fear. When that happens, you will know, you'll really know how to sing it is well with my soul. You will know how to be in turmoil well, how to be downcast well, how to suffer well, how to be in an unhappy place very well. Never run from suffering, but bear it silently, patiently, and submissively, with the assurance that it is God's way of instilling iron into your spiritual life. Your iron crown of suffering precedes your golden crown of glory, and iron is entering your soul to make you strong and brave. F.B. Meyer When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my For more audio content like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a review. That helps us spread the word about the show and reach more people. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.